Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of The Miller Frost Show. I am your host, America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual, Miller Frost, here as always with white boy Malcolm X. And sir, before I even get started, I have a, a rather thick pile of, of, of news to go through today. I did not realize, white boy Malcolm X, our podcasts are, are like growing longer and longer. You are the official timekeeper of this show. So you need to cut me off when I'm when I'm getting close to to an hour. We try to keep these at an hour, but I think last week was about seventy five minutes, and the week before that was like almost seventy minutes, something like that. So we we don't want to keep creeping up. I'll have like a three hour podcast, and I want to do that. There's there's not that much news out there, but we're gonna we're gonna try our best to keep it to an hour today. We'll see how that goes. And yes, white boy Malcolm X, I'm I'm. I'm just, by default now, I'm just putting the gay stuff first just to make you happy. And here's something that I'm sure you'll find riveting and interesting. And this is from page six. Headline, model Lottie Moss reveals she's pansexual. And all of you are probably like, who the hell is Lottie Moss and why would I care? She is actually Kate Moss's younger sister. So Kate Moss is is like the scarecrow. <laughs> Not the scarecrow on crystal meth. We have a follow-up story about that dopey chick, but she's just like a she looks like a emaciated scarecrow. That's Kate Moss. During an Instagram Q&A on Monday, Moss, who was the younger daughter of supermodel Kate Moss, responded to a follower asking if she would prefer to date a woman, which quite frankly is I would think the oddest question you would ask, but this is a Q&A with a model, so who knows what what's game and what's not. I'm pansexual, so I don't really mind any gender, says Moss22, according to the Daily Mail. It kind of changes every day as well. It depends on who I meet. Moss has been previously linked to Made in Chelsea stars Sam Prince and Alex Mighton, so she's done two guys on one show, as well as I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, starring Roman Kemp. So I guess she does mind, because she's only banging men. But apparently she's open to the other. But white boy Malcolm X... I actually, because I am so tired of, I don't know what all these little side things, I know what gay is, I know what bisexual is, but pansexual, I don't know about. So 
for the for the folks out there who are probably also like, what the hell is a pansexual? I went to Wikipedia, folks, and here's here's the definition of a pansexual. Pansexuality is sexual, romantic, or emotional attraction towards people, regardless of their sex or gender identity. Pansexual people may refer to themselves as gender blind, asserting that gender and sex are not determining factors in their romantic or sexual attraction to others. Pansexuality may be considered a sexual orientation in its own right or a branch of bisexuality to indicate an alternative sexual identity. Because pansexual people are open to relationships with people who do not identify as strictly men or women, and pansexuality therefore rejects the gender binary, it is often considered a more inclusive term than bisexual. Well, it just sounds like a fancy way of saying bisexual. And what do I say about bisexuals? Bisexuals will do anyone. They don't care. They're your guy or girl. A pansexual, it sounds like a snooty version of... They don't want to just say bisexual. They have to say, well, I'm pansexual because you won't do a man or a woman. You'll do people who don't identify. You'll do any, literally, literally, you will do anyone. Whereas a bisexual will do a man or a woman. So there's that. I don't know what the hell, who gives a crap, but I don't know why Lottie Moss felt the need to reveal that. But now we know, folks, that if you hear someone saying pansexual, it's just a snobby way of saying bisexual. But they do the same thing. They do everyone. This is from CNBC. For the LGBTQ community, family brings extra benefits and costs. John Auten Schneider and David Auten Schneider came out about their finances about two years after they started dating. The conversation started while they were looking to buy land in Winter Park, Colorado to build a weekend home. As they planned, they realized they couldn't afford to buy land, purchase an existing home, or even rent there. White boy Malcolm X, I just, before I, before I even go any further, can you see these two queens, John and David Auten Schneider, and they're like, honey, let's, let's go buy some land in Winter Park, Colorado. And the other one's like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And we'll build ourselves a weekend home. We can just go up there and use it like a day or two a week. That's, we'll have a whole house that just sits there six days a week. And then we'll just we'll just use it every so often on the weekend. That'll be our weekend home. We can tell all our friends it's a weekend home. And then they go to the checkbook and they're like, holy crap, we can't afford a bush, <laughs> much less an entire an entire parcel of land. You think they would know that before they started the conversation, but apparently, I guess they must have thought the other had all the money. They were poor and they thought, well, my sugar daddy, um, you know, he can write that check. But apparently they both, they both were not, they were the sugar boys, not the sugar daddies. Together, they had more than $50,000 in debt, even though they had more than 15 years of combined experience in financial services at the time. And I really, really, Feel sorry for their clients at this point. Bernie Madoff. It kicked off a conversation of why do we know so much and are doing so little, John said. The couple realized that growing up gay in communities that didn't accept them played a part. So folks out there, you straight people out there, it's your fault that John and David cannot afford to buy land in Winter Park, Colorado. Which, if you don't know, is, I believe, just... It's like 40, 40, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes outside of Denver, depending on where you, where you start. But it's it's right outside of Denver. There's a ski resort right there. And I don't know why they thought they could just buy land out there, but 
they did. But let's pick back up. We were using money to make ourselves feel better from the past, said John, adding that it was also a tool to fit in once they did find the gay community. In other words, folks, they basically are saying that the gay community is not only straight people's fault because they grew up, they had to grow up in, in straight society and that just made them horrible with money. But you know, now, then when they found all the queens, they were like, oh, now we got to like keep up with the Joneses. So they're a bunch of status climbing queens, apparently. Mercy. Having a handle on finances is important for LGBTQ individuals as many start off behind their non-LGBTQ peers. Some may not have had supportive families and incur more debt for education, can face discrimination in the workplace, may need to protect financial assets from family, and may experience higher costs associated with family building. Putting money aside is going to give you freedoms that a lot of folks don't have, especially LGBTQ folks, said John. The more money you have for your own self and security, the more money and time and energy you can give back to the community. So folks, apparently, apparently growing up gay makes you poor. It's, it's blaming straight people. Again, John and David, take responsibility for yourselves. Don't blame everyone else for your problems. It's like, it's like last week, the vagina story, where all these women can't label their body parts, their, uh, their vagina correctly, and they blamed everyone else. They blamed their parents, they blamed the teachers, they blamed uh, God knows who else, but, you know, these two queens, blaming everyone else. It's, it's growing, up in a, growing up in a straight world, and it's hanging out with vapid, self-absorbed queens who just, you know, have to go shopping at, at Prada and Gucci, and it made them broke. This is from the Philadelphia Gay News, and here is the headline. Gay couple sues Barr for negligence and lack of consortium. And if you don't know what consortium means, that means getting to do the dirty. Louis Lanny Jr. and his husband, Michael Connor, recently filed suit against Tavern on KMAC, alleging negligence and loss of consortium after Lanny allegedly was assaulted by a patron in the bar in 2018. Loss of consortium is defined, here we go, as deprivation of the benefits of a family relationship, including affection and sexual relations due to injuries caused by a tortfeasor. Told you. Can't have sex. Tavern on Kmac, an LGBT-oriented bar and restaurant known for its piano sing-alongs and dance parties, is located at 243 South Kmac Street in the neighborhood. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you will know, folks, that the neighborhood in Philadelphia reeks of systemic racism. Those white queens in Philadelphia are the biggest pack of Klansmen you will ever find anywhere. Around 1 a.m. September 30th, 2018, and what do I always say? Nothing good comes from being out after midnight, and apparently this is the case as well. Paige Zubel allegedly assaulted Lanny while they were inside Tavern on Kmac. The Philadelphia Police Department released a narrative of the incident as documented on a police report. While on the 200 block of South Kamek Street at 1.09 a.m., a 23-year-old female victim stated that while in a verbal disagreement over politics with a white male 40 to 50 years of age wearing a white suit jacket, the male became aggressive and scratched the back of her neck with his fingernails. Man, while trying to shove her away, the report states. 
The male was not on location upon police arrival, and the victim refused medical treatment. No further information. The men's lawsuit provides a narrative at variance with the police report. So now, white boy, welcome next. Now we get to the good stuff. We get the Queen's version. Paige Zubel was visibly intoxicated while on defendant's premises, including dropping alcoholic beverages, staggering, swaying, slurred speech, bloodshot eyes, and boisterous, profane behavior, the lawsuit alleges. So she sounds just like a typical fag hag, if you ask me. Nevertheless, bartenders continue to serve Zubel alcohol. Despite her visible intoxication, defendant Paige Zubel was served numerous voluminous additional intoxicating beverages, the lawsuit states. So she's a lush. Without provocation and in the presence of bar personnel, Zubel allegedly assaulted Lanny by profanely screaming at him, hitting him on the chest and shoulder, kicking him in the left knee, and throwing drinks at him, the lawsuit asserts. Due to the alleged assault, Lanny suffered damage to his left knee, resulting in an instability that caused him to fall and injure his face, requiring sutures. Well, where were his hands, white boy Malcolm X? If she kicks him in the knee and he goes down and smacks his face, what the hell was... Probably holding his cocktails. I'm not dropping this, bitches. Additionally, Lanny sustained a tooth fracture and injuries to his left shoulder and left hip. Moreover, he sustained a torn rotator cuff that required arthroscopic repair with permanent post-operative scarring, according to the lawsuit. Jesus Christmas. This queen took quite a tumble. The lawsuit filed in Philadelphia Common Pleas Court charges the bar and Zubel with negligence and loss of consortium. Plaintiff Michael Connor has been damaged in that he has been, and will continue to be, depraved of the aid, comfort, companionship services, and consortium of his husband, the lawsuit states. Well, that's not very nice, white boy Malcolm X. He talks about the services of his husband. Makes his husband sound like a prostitute. The couple seeks more than $50,000 in damages, according to the lawsuit. Well, that doesn't seem like a lot of money. So let me see if I get this right, white boy Malcolm X, because I want to make sure I have these narratives. So the police narrative is... This drunk chick and this queen got into a fight at the bar, and he, like, scratches her neck and pushes her away. And that's the police the police version of the story. And then he, then he left, and she declined to get medical attention. His version of the story is she's running around the bar, drunk and screaming like a typical fag hag at a bar. <laughs> and then she just, like, randomly attacks him out of nowhere and kicks him in the knee, and he falls, and his hands are nowhere to be seen. He just smashes his face into the ground and he's damaged for life and now he can't have sex i guess you know it doesn't work down there <laughs> it broke his penis broke as well and so now they want fifty thousand dollars in damages. <laughs> oh man you know louis and michael don't go out to bars don't get drunk and you know don't sue the stupid of all things to do sue the bar over you and this chick getting into it is about as dumb as it gets but that's what you get in Philadelphia, I guess. This is from Queerty, and here's the headline. Science says queer people at higher risk of dementia. A new study of gay, lesbian, and bisexual people, but apparently not pansexuals, which are just fancier bisexuals, has revealed that members of the community are at higher risk for dementia than their heterosexual counterparts. Michigan State University performed the study, which compared the cognitive abilities of more than 3,500 adults. Areas of research included temporal orientation, language, visuospatial skills, executive function, attention, concentration, and working memory, and short-term memory. Researchers also compared different physical and social conditions, mental health conditions, and lifestyle habits in hopes of determining any related causes. Well, I hope they're not 
I hope they didn't include any queens from <laughs> Philadelphia in this study because they, they don't have any good memory at all. The research concluded that gay, lesbian, and bisexual people are at a higher risk for mild cognitive impairment or early dementia than their straight counterparts. The study also appeared to find a cause. Ready for this, white boy Malcolm X? Queer people experience much higher rates of depression. And I can tell you folks, I'm already depressed reading this. We knew that stress and depression are risk factors for many chronic health problems, including cognitive impairment in later life. LGB people experience more stressful events and have higher rates of depression compared to their heterosexual counterparts. Ning Shi, and I apologize if I'm missing, mispronouncing that, is H-S-I-E-H. So she is what I'm going to call her. An assistant professor of sociology at MSU and lead author of the study told Medical Express. Our findings suggest that depression may be one of the most important underlying factors leading to cognitive disadvantages for LGB people, she said. They may experience higher rates of depression than their heterosexual peers for many reasons, including not being accepted by parts of society, feeling ashamed of their sexual orientation. And if you don't know what that is, folks, that's those are Republicans. <laughs> or trying to hide their romantic relationships and being treated unfairly in school or at work. Well, you know what this reminds me of, White Boy Malcolm X? Other than the story of the two queens in financial planning who couldn't between the two of them buy a bush um, to put on their fictitious plot of land where they're going to build their weekend house. This reminds me, back when we were doing the original podcast, there was that article about the heterosupremacy. Like this this whole thing here, like between this article and that one, that article, those two queens were complaining about growing up in the straight world and then having to compete with the queens once they found them. This one is like, you know, blaming not being accepted by society, feeling ashamed of your sexual orientation or hiding romantic relationships, oppression, 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 the heterosupremacy. It is. It, it, it all goes back to the heterosupremacy. You evil straight people. Oh, God. Why did I even print this story? Because I'm just getting more aggravated. It's more, more aggravating than Lottie Moss's pansexuality. This is from the Daily Caller. DC introduces non-binary successor to superhero The Flash. And if you're not sure what non-binary is, those are the funky pronoun people. DC Comics is introducing a new non-binary character in an upcoming DC Comics crossover. Jess Chambers, known as Kid Quick, will be part of the alternative universe version of the Teen Titans, according to an article published Wednesday by NBC News. Kid Quick will debut in the comics DC Mary Multiverse, which will be available starting December 9th. So it's coming up here, White Boy Malcolm X. In DC Future State, the multiverse has been saved from the brink of destruction, but the triumph of DC's heroes has shaken loose the very fabric of time and space, the publisher said in a release, according to NBC News. Kid Quick, who goes by they-them pronouns, will eventually take over for superhero The Flash in upcoming Future State comic book hitting stores in January and February. Can you see Superman? <laughs> Superman going they-them. Goodness. Goodness, what is this world coming to? I mean, I don't even see... I mean, can you imagine, like, the superheroes? you got... Who's in the DC Comics? you got Superman, and you've got Batman, and then you've got Wonder Woman, and now you've got... And, and whatever that uh, Jason Momia character is, the uh, the underwater sea king, <laughs> whatever he is. And they're all like battling some evil guy. 
And Superman's like, you know, they go over there. And everyone's like, who? Like, they. And they, now they've got to, like, because most people think they, and they think more than one person. But now Kid Quick is going to, like, screw up all the coordinating because now they're going to have to just say, Kid Quick is going over there, not they are going over there. Because then they, everyone's going to be like, okay, who's joining them? But, you know, that is what you get, folks, with the funky pronoun people. So another one, even though the, <laughs> What are they doing with cartoons? I mean, it, do they really need this? Um, this kind of this PC garbage, you know, they can't just have a normal, you gotta have, well, you gotta have one with the funky pronouns. <sighs> I told you I was going to get upset. This is from the New York Post. Candace Owens slams Harry Styles ball gown. Bring back the manly man. So says conservative firebrand Candace Owens of 26-year-old cherry singer Harry Styles' new American Vogue cover in which he wears a ball gown and custom Gucci jacket. There is no society that can survive without strong men, Owens31 wrote on Twitter in response to the photos of Styles, who, with the cover, became Vogue's first solo male cover star. The East knows this. In the West, the steady feminization of our men at the same time that Marxism is being taught to our children is not a coincidence. It is an outright attack. Bring back manly men. Man, she is. She likes those men. The tweet has racked up more than 74,000 likes. Its most liked response from actress and filmmaker Olivia Wilde has over 58,000 likes, and it reads, You're pathetic. In the Vogue profile, Styles talks openly about his love for traditional female clothing. I'll go and shop sometimes, and I just find myself looking at the women's clothes, thinking they're amazing, he told the magazine further declaring that you can never be overdressed. There's no such thing. Mercy. This is like, this, you know, this is why, this reminds me of White Boy Malcolm X of the story we had last week with that uh, ginger kid from The Crown. And I can't think of his name for the life of me, but, oh, speaking of gingers, just real quick, did you see White Boy Malcolm X? Complete, sorry folks, complete aside. Did you see that Gordon Haywood is leaving? <laughs> He's not going to play for the Celtics anymore. He's leaving town. So no more ginger for you in basketball. But anyway, back to where we were. This reminds me of that because that kid last week was kind of dancing around sexuality and talking about, you know, liking women, but maybe being open to liking men. And I'm just like, oh, for Christ's sakes, just come out already. Just call it a day. Don't don't play these games. And now you've got Harry Styles. Like, I just love to dress up in women's clothes. And it's like, okay, then, you know, what's that? Come out already. <laughs> Man, these 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 kids these days—they just like playing coy. I guess. I guess he I, he probably doesn't want to come out because, you know, let's face it. You know, there goes his career because his his, his fan base has got to be well, a bunch of gay men and um and teenage girls or young women. So he's gonna like kiss all that goodbye if he like comes out and says, "Well, I'm just I'm a big drag queen." Always been one. I just like it. Okay, Harry. Okay. You do what you you do you, Harry. You do you. And I'll just move on. Okay. White Boy Malcolm X. We're back to the Scarecrow on Crystal Meth, Joanne Hardesty. <laughs> this is the headline. Portland politician who called 911 over Lyft Spat blames white supremacists. So this is our follow-up story. And if you remember from last week, it involved, you know, she's at like a casino and she calls Lyft to, to take her home. And 
it wound up just being, you know, a bit of a dumpster fire of, of a lift ride. And there was an issue with the pickup and then there was some issue with the windows down. And then, you know, the two of them started calling. He, the driver was like, I've had enough of this. She, this, this scarecrow on crystal meth is getting out of my car. And what'd she do? They, she called 911. He called 911. <laughs> it just wound up being a, a, a load of fun that evening, I'm sure. Well, let's find out more about those white supremacists because apparently they're everywhere. A Portland, Oregon politician who not only looks like a scarecrow on crystal meth, but who called the cops over an argument with her Lyft driver despite her support for defund the police movement, now says she acted out of fear of white supremacists. City Commissioner Joanne Hardesty, who again looks just like a scarecrow on crystal meth, and her Lyft driver made dueling 911 calls during a November 1 ride from hell as Hardesty griped about everything from confusion over the pickup location to the car's windows being open, the Oregonian previously reported. Hardesty, who caught flack for the move in light of her claiming most 911 calls aren't for real crimes, said during a city council meeting on Thursday that she was motivated by fear of far-right demonstrators who have recently rallied in the city of Roses. This is another example of being black in America and being put in a position where I have to be the one to look out for my personal safety, she said. I didn't expect the Lyft driver to do it, certainly didn't expect the police to do it. It was my responsibility to make sure I got home safe. When you're living in a city where white supremacists are proudly riding around in their big trucks with their flags and you're a black person and somebody wants to put you on the side of the road at night, Hardesty continued, not gonna happen. Well, I don't know about you, white boy Malcolm X, but I don't think that white supremacists are the issue in Portland. Oh, man, it's called, she's, it doesn't matter what, Antifa's out there just causing all sorts of mayhem and hell, and they're blaming the white supremacy, rednecks and pickup trucks, driving around, and that's, that's, that's the issue in Portland. You know, they blame them for everything. I think, I think if they could get away with it, they thought they could get away with it, they would blame, you know, white supremacy for all the shootings in, like, the south side of Chicago. If, if they could think they could get away with it, they probably would try it. And mark my words, they probably will at some point. Because i got to blame someone for it. It's not the inept government in Chicago. And now in, in, in Oregon, in Portland, you know, the, the Antifa's going around burning everything down. <laughs> And rioting night after night after night. And she's like these fantasy white supremacists in their pickup trucks. Okay then, Joanne. Enjoy that meth. This is kind of a follow-up story. Because we had a story about, I don't know, a month and a half, two months ago. Where NASA, in their PC uh, push, um, was renaming certain celestial body so i guess you used to have the siamese twins galaxy or something like that and they renamed it because you can't say that anymore they had the eskimo something and they had to get rid of that too and now they are they're going at it again and this is from national review wokists assault space exploration authors of a paper submitted to nasa committee warn against human space exploration and of putting violent colonial practices into orbit so yet again at nasa they're still screwing around. This time, though, folks, they don't want white people. <laughs> that's why I read that. Every time they start talking about colonial oppression, that's, that's white people. They don't want white people in space. In October 2020, NASA's Planetary Science and Astrobiology Decadal Survey Committee received a manifesto from its Equity, Diversion, and Inclusion Working Group. Written by NASA Ames Research Center Public Communications Specialist Frank Tavares, 
along with a group of 11 co-authors, including noted activists drawn from the fields of anthropology, ethics, philosophy, decolonial theory, and women's studies, and supported by a list of 109 signatories, ethical exploration, and the role of planetary protection in disrupting colonial practices lacks technical merit. It is, nevertheless, of great clinical interest, as it brilliantly demonstrates how the ideologies responsible for the destruction of university liberal arts education can be put to work to abort space exploration as well. With praiseworthy clarity as to their bias and intent, the Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Working Group authors say that human space exploration must be stopped because it represents a continuation of the West's tradition of resource development through free enterprise. All of humanity is a stakeholder in how we, the planetary science and astrobiology community, engage with other worlds, they say. Violent colonial practices and structures, genocide, land appropriation, resource extraction, environmental devastation, and more have governed exploration on Earth, and if not actively dismantled, we define the methodologies and mindsets we carry forward into space exploration. It is critical that ethics and anti-colonial practices are a central consideration of planetary protection. We must actively work to prevent capitalist extraction on other worlds, respect and preserve their environmental systems, and acknowledge the sovereignty and interconnectivity of all life. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't really know what to say about that. How the hell did these people get into NASA in the first place? Why does NASA have an equity diversity and inclusion working group. <laughs> Folks, we are not going to another planet other than the moon. Again, I think they're going back to the moon in like 10 or 15, maybe 20 years. We're not going to get to Mars anytime soon. And they're already sitting there around going, a bunch of like, you know, these cranks. Well, we just, we just cannot have white people up there because they're just going to just devastate those, those planets. Folks, you know, Frank Tavares and, and, and company, every other planet in this in this solar system is dead. There's nothing. <laughs> they want to go mine and trash the planet. You know, let them do it. Like, they're not going to hurt anything. There's not going to be any, like, endangered sea turtles on Neptune that they're going to hurt if they go out there with some big drilling equipment to get at the minerals or, or what have you. My God. So there you go, folks. We're going to stop the Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Working Group at NASA. Your tax dollars are going to stop violent colonial practices like genocide and resource extraction and environmental devastation on dead planets. Good job there, guys. Here you go. Here's another headline for you. Sacramento declares racism a public health crisis. It's everywhere, folks. It is everywhere. The Sacramento County Board of Supervisors approved a resolution Tuesday declaring racism a public health crisis in the county. Sacramento County is one of the most... You know what, folks? They must have a lot of white supremacists running around there if they're doing this. Anyway, Sacramento County is one of the nation's most diverse communities, and as such, all its citizens should have the opportunity to live their lives free from systemic racism, Board Chair Phil Cerna said in an official statement Tuesday. Research has demonstrated that racism adversely impacts the physical and mental health of people of color. The resolution we passed today acknowledges Sacramento County's commitment to face this crisis head-on through fair and just governance and service delivery. 
The resolution says the county must work to shape an inclusive, well-informed governmental organization that is conscious of injustice and inequity through robust training and continuing education to expand understanding of how racial discrimination adversely affects individuals and communities most impacted by racism. The county must review all policies and practices currently in place to ensure that they do not facilitate or harbor racial discrimination, according to the resolution. So, White Boy Malcolm X, I, I do have a question about this, and it is, what the hell took them so long? Seriously, folks, this is California. This is like a liberal bastion where outside of those a few nutty Republicans and, and little pockets, and they're working to get rid of them, this, this place is nirvana. It is completely controlled by Democrats. Sacramento is the, the capital of the state. This place should be like double nirvana. On Nirvana on steroids, and yet they, folks, they have apparently, they have systemic racism there. A place run by Democrats has set up a system of systemic racism, and which reminds me of an article we had a couple weeks ago about the home of white supremacy, and that is the city of San Francisco, because the city of San Francisco had to pass a resolution, or they're passing a Karen law, because of all the white people, the white racists infesting San Francisco who are calling the police, calling 911. Because <laughs> I know that scarecrow on meth just loves that, doesn't she? They're all calling 911 to tattletale on their minority neighbors, doing things that are not, not crimes, but they just like to tattletale on them. So now now Sacramento County is, is, is coming out and confessing that even though it's run by Democrats, and it's probably been run by Democrats for God knows how long, it is just rancid systemic racism is, is everywhere, all up and down that thing. I guess they're going to, I don't know who they're going to blame for this. I just, you know, that's another thing. I'm just curious who they're going to, because all these people out in California, they just whip themselves, whip themselves over racism and systemic racism and this and that and the other. And they're the ones running the show. And the Democrats are the ones running the show. And they, they don't seem to be able to manage that quite well. <laughs> oh, well, that's what you get what you vote for, I guess. How's this headline, White Boy Malcolm X? Should minorities get priority for a coronavirus vaccine? Some think so. Some legal and health experts recommended minorities get prioritized access to a potential coronavirus vaccine as the federal government begins the final distribution plans and two pharmaceutical companies, which are the root of all evil, have reported positive trial results. The National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine released a final report in October recommending a phased vaccine distribution plan which would indirectly prioritize minority communities. U.S. Black and Indigenous populations have suffered the worst from the pandemic, with both groups experiencing a mortality rate exceeding 1 in 1,000 nationally, according to APM Research Lab. Inequities in health have always existed, but at this moment there is an awakening to the power of racism, poverty, and bias in amplifying the health and economic pain and hardship imposed by this pandemic, said Helene Gale, president and CEO of the Chicago Community Trust, who contributed to the NASA report. So in other words, white people, get to the back of the vaccine bus, because you ain't getting one first. We saw our work as one way to address these wrongs and do our part to work towards a new commitment to promoting health equity, she added. So there you go. They want minorities, people of color, to get the COVID vaccine first. White boy Malcolm X, let me ask you a question, and this is probably going to get me in a ton of trouble, but I'm being serious. I'm not, folks, I'm not meaning to be flipping here at all, but 
Can you explain to me the difference between saying that someone is a person of color and someone is a colored person? <laughs> he put his hands up like, I'm not touching that one. No, I'm being serious. I'm not, I'm, I'm not meaning to be flippant. I'm, I'm being, because you used to call them colored people and you're, you weren't supposed to do that anymore, right? That was considered, I guess, offensive and racist and you're not, not supposed to say colored people anymore. So then they went with... They start with like, you know, African-American and they start all these other different linguistic games to call people of color anything other than colored people. And and so now we've come full circle where we just kind of flip the words around and stuck the word of in there. So it's, to me, it's the same thing. It just seems kind of silly that we got away from saying color people because it was so offensive. But now people of color is perfectly it's perfectly acceptable to say. And I, I for me, I just I don't know what the difference is. I had to get that out of there. Just something that popped in my head. It's like, why do you, why do you say these things? But they, they do. Because they're, you know what? Because they're good liberals and you can't call a liberal a racist, even though they walk around being the biggest racist that, that we know of, especially out in San Francisco. And, and, and don't for, and Sacramento, yes, of course. Uh, thank you, White Boy Macomax. You can't forget Sacramento with systemic racism. But anyway, what do you think, White Boy Malcolm X? Because this vaccine doesn't always work right it's effective 90 95 percent of the time and sometimes you get a shot like that and you can have a horrible horrible reaction what do you think is going to happen when someone they're going to they're going to put all the minorities up first and then a couple of them are going to die because they had a horrible reaction to this vaccine i'm not laughing over over people dying of a, of a vaccine reaction don't get me wrong i'm, I'm just kind of chuckling because you know the first thing out of these people's mouth the ones that like Minorities should go first. They should go first. They should go first. Are going to start screaming racist, racist. Those pharmaceutical companies are racist. They're trying to kill all of them. <sighs> Mercy. Okay. So just keep an eye on that one. How's this white boy Malcolm X? Listen to this headline. Farrell is teaching a new class on racism, social justice. I hope he's not doing that in Sacramento because they got a bunch of systemic racism out there. From the musician that showed us how to be happy comes a new life lesson on empathy. Has he, White Boy Malcolm X, has he had any other, I, I don't even know who this guy is. I know that song and it was stupid when it came out and I can't stand it, but is he like a one hit wonder? That's what I thought. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. He might have like 50 hits. I, I just don't know. I don't care. Farrell Williams, in a partnership with Masterclass and Uninterrupted, released a six minute mini Masterclass episode on the much more in-depth topics of empathy racism, and social justice. Williams, 47, tweeted the news on November 11th, and the full video is available now to stream on the Uninterrupted website. The Masterclass deck is packed with over 90 classes, teaching everything from how to be a great writer to, this one sounds really great, White Boy Mac Max, listen to this, to a potential course in curse words from Samuel L. Jackson. A lot of F-bombs, I'm sure. This is the first episode of five, and it is part of a new series called The Power You Hold. The other four films will be released each week through December 8th and feature Spike Lee, Ken Burns, Misty Copeland, RuPaul, Ron Finley, and Neil deGrasse Tyson. The series will examine issues of social injustice and systemic racism, offering education and inspiration on ways to impact change, reads the banner on the uninterrupted website. So Farrell is teaching folks a class. It's a six-minute class and a very long class. He must really go deep. Empathy, racism, and social justice. There you go, if you're interested. Rioter who punched out Trump supporter in viral video is registered child sex offender. I wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, if he is a teacher. 
because we all know that uh, I th- that the teachers love to bang their students. So I, I think at this point, like half the teaching staff in, in your local you know county there are registered sex offenders at the rate they're going. A protester who was arrested after he punched a supporter of President Donald Trump is also a registered child sex offender, public records show. The Metropolitan Police Department arrested 39-year-old Kenneth Wayne DeBerry on Saturday for disorderly conduct, including inciting violence, aggravated assault, and felon in possession of a firearm after police found he was carrying a handgun. According to the MPD Sex Offender Registry, DeBerry is a registered sex offender who was convicted in Washington, D.C. in 2008 of a second-degree child sexual abuse against a person under 16 years of age. Video footage shows the attacker coming up behind the Trump supporter and punch him so hard that the victim fell on his face to the ground and lay still for several moments before those around him helped him to his feet. As he lay on the ground, a person briefly stomped on him. And what lesson do you Trump supporters out there think you're going to take from this? The, um, the perverted registered child sex offender attacking, just randomly attacking a Trump supporter. The lesson you're going to learn, folks, is that you are going to pay. You are going to pay, let me tell you. Man, they are crazy. But we, you know, we have to worry about you know, white supremacy and um, and those um, white supremacists running around in their pickup trucks. Nope, no Antifa violence there, folks. None, none whatsoever. This is from Movie Maker, and this kind of ties back to a couple of a uh, couple of articles we've had over the last few weeks. But there's a movie called Run. So here's the headline. How Run cast Kiara Allen, an actress who uses a wheelchair in real life. For the creators of Run, there was no question that their lead character, who uses a wheelchair, would be played by an actress who uses a wheelchair in real life. They found her in Kiara Allen. And this was like was it last week, I think, we had uh, Viggo Mortensen, who is playing a gay guy, and he's not gay, and... I had to tell him, no, you can't do that anymore. If you have a gay character, you have to you have to have a gay guy playing it. And what did I say yesterday? Hollywood is full of queens. You could have, have, have your pick of them. But these folks, they have a character with a wheelchair, and they're like, they're going to hire someone. Their first thing is, are they in a wheelchair, yes or no? And if it's no, then they're not even going to look at how great an actress they are. They just want, yes, wheelchair, then they'll figure out if they can act afterwards Hollywood productions regularly say they try to find actors with disabilities to play actors with disabilities and very often say they couldn't find the right person at the time of this writing Sia and hashtag actually autistic are both trending on Twitter because the singer director's decision to cast Maddie Ziegler who does not have autism as an autistic teen oh my the raging Twitter monkeys are very upset about that I'm sure but run got it right The film stars Alan, a relative newcomer, as a teenager whose mother, Sarah Paulson, uses her wheelchair and general health issues as justification to keep her locked away from the world. Run writer-director Anish Chaganti said that he and co-writer Sev Ohanian and producer Natalie Kwasabian, jeez, these names, said the casting decision wasn't a debate. These three liberals. I I can only imagine these three sitting around virtue signaling to each other. It was never a controversial topic between the three of us. It was sort of like, yeah, we're doing this right. Yeah, cool. And then the process of actually finding this person provided to be an intense and countrywide sort of search. And we ended up finding this incredible talent in Kiara Allen, Chaganti told Movie Maker. 
Variety notes that Run is the first thriller in 70 years to star a wheelchair user. In an interview, Alan told Variety that her character wasn't shoved into a trope, something that reduces the complexity of the person or has them there to inform someone else's journey. It feels like it's going to be the first time a lot of people in my generation ever see a real wheelchair user on screen playing a wheelchair user. <laughs> That's a huge... Oh, God, I can't take this. I'm done. I'm not reading this anymore. Seriously, white boy Malcolm X. She... She's like putting herself up on some on some pedestal because my generation's never seen someone who really needs a wheelchair. Actually, no one's going to know. I, I guarantee you, ninety percent of the people who see this movie are never going to know that Kiara actually needs the wheelchair. <laughs> She's just not an actress who just happens to be. You know, here's the wheelchair. Here's your character. Gosh, I mean, what's the point of acting if they're not going to let you act it'll be like if if we if we need something we're going to find that thing god forbid this story this is from talking points memo and this is we had last week there was like a follow-up story to our dear friend one of my favorites becky falwell who like banged half of liberty university so the kid that she blew who was the friend of her son had some like article, you know, he did like some follow-up article about his life after getting blown by, by Becky Falwell. And so this folks is the Italian stud, Giancarlo Granda. He's like, I need to get my 15 minutes too. So where's my article? And oh my God, folks, this article is like 10 pages long. He's like, he's like doing a blow by blow. And here's the headline, sex lies and regret. Giancarlo Granda reels from eight years with the Falwells. He had a grand old time for a very long time. And I'm not going to read a lot of this, but I'll give you a little bit of a flavor for this. Giancarlo Granda first noticed that something was off about Becky Falwell while in bed with her. It was around three or four in the morning, Granda recalls, when he woke up and noticed Becky staring at him without blinking. It's what he'd later come to call the look, something that eight years later still creeps him out. But Granda is neither squeamish nor skittish, and nor was he, as a 21-year-old, primed to let something a little odd like Becky's dark black eyes fixating on him in the night give him pause. After all, he was waking up at the Chica Lodge, an exclusive resort on the Florida Keys, Islamadora, just weeks after having met Becky poolside at Miami's glitzy Fontainebleau Hotel. Becky and her husband, Jerry Jr., who Granda recalls was sleeping on the couch that night, had invited Granda to the resort for a good time. I bet. Granda was only dimly aware of who he was with, education administrators at a Christian university. But where others saw Bible thumpers with an axe to grind against modernity, Granda said he saw a hot cougar, an outlet for his own business idea, and eventually a second family. Across days of in-person interviews outside Washington, D.C., over weeks of phone calls, and through dozens of supporting documents, Granda provided TPM, that is Talking Points Memo, with the most detailed account yet of his entanglement with the Falwells, which would contribute to Jerry losing his position as president of Liberty University and leave Granda feeling besieged by embarrassing articles wanting to change his name. Well, not too embarrassed because, hell, he's, you know, detailed blow by blow everything that they did. So there you go, folks. I'm not even going to bother reading the rest of this. That was a, a taste of, of the, the Italian stud Giancarlo Granda and his his time with Becky, as we should say. But White Boy Malcolm X, I have to tell you, I this kid, oh he was in it. If you know, in my opinion, I just from what I've read of this, I mean, he was in this thinking, you know, how can these two folks 
hook me up and not in a hookup hookup but how can you know his business ideas he was I, I think in his own way looking to get paid from this he was figuring out okay I'll sleep with this woman I'll let the husband watch whatever and, and at some point with this I can I can turn this into money somehow some way what a mess how's this headline Norway Prime Minister says gender equality key factors to pandemic recovery efforts. So it's not just systemic racism, folks, it's sexism. Norwegian Prime Minister Ernest Solberg claims gender equality between the sexes is essential for a sustainable recovery amid the coronavirus pandemic, according to a report. The pandemic's impact on women have been evident in our own country as well, Solberg said Tuesday at the Reykjavik Global Forum Women's Leaders 2020 conference. We see that unpaid care work at home isn't evenly distributed between men and women. So it's men's fault that that the chores are not getting done because, you know, men are louts anyway. They just, you know, they come home and they get a beer or two and, you know, the wife has to come home and like do the dishes and cook the dinner and, and you know, do the child care and all the other stuff. But the men are just a bunch of losers hanging out, hanging out, doing nothing but the beer. And Erna Solberg, the Norwegian prime minister, she's she's had it done there i guess white boy malcolm is because it's norway so they can't complain about you know systemic racism because you know there's no black people up there so they're like gender equality that's our issue we have to have an issue we have to blame someone for something so here we go folks gender equality i guess i guess everyone wants in on the victim racket. I, I feel bad though i feel bad for straight men <laughs> with this erna solberg after them i'm having it man man oh man this is from Daily Mail Online. This is, this is probably the longest headline I've ever read, but I'm going to try and do it with one breath. Orgasm cult run by messianic female leader where women were stroked by men during wellness classes is under FBI investigation amid prostitution claims after staff were told to have sex to secure business podcast reveals. Man, I did get that in under one breath. So apparently, folks, there are some women who found their vaginas. If you don't know what that means, listen to last week's podcast. A wellness company that was branded a sex cult for claiming that female orgasms could be used to change the world is under investigation by the FBI over allegations including sex trafficking, prostitution, and violations of labor laws. And I wonder if I wonder if Norwegian Prime Minister Erna Solberg, who wants to run around complaining about men being losers, I wonder if she's involved with this. One taste was... <laughs> Yes, white boy Malcolm X. The the um, orgasm cult is called One Taste, and I'll let you folks you know, take that where you want to take it. Was co-founded in 2004 by California native Nicole Daydone or Daydone. I don't know how to pronounce it. D a e d o n e, and focuses on the practice of orgasmic meditation. In the case of One Taste workshops, this involves a woman naked from the waist down, having her clitoris stroked for 15 minutes by a man either her own partner or another paying customer. Thousands of customers signed up to learn orgasmic meditation, or OM, with one taste, attracted by Daydoni's promises it could improve their sex life, help them reclaim their sexuality, and even aid in recovery from sexual trauma. She also insisted that the practice would one day be widely used like yoga or meditation. Attracted by cool branding and the message that OM would change the world, many members signed up to work as salespeople, helping to promote customers' workshops, retreats, and coaching programs costing up to $60,000. At its peak, One Taste had 150 members of staff, 
many of whom had originally joined the community as customers. But for years, One Taste has been dogged by claims from customers who said they were left in debt after paying for expensive classes and former employees who said they were told to engage in sexual relations with potential clients to close sales. For years, there have been rumors that One Taste is basically a sex cult, complete with a messianic leader who everyone adored and worshipped and who expected full allegiance, explains BBC journalist Nasterin Tavakoli Farr. And Tavakoli Farr is hyphenated. In the first episode of The Orgasm Cult, a podcast exploring the company's journey from fringe origins to sleek wellness stardom to an investigation by the FBI. So let me get this right, Wipo Malcolm X, for $60,000, you, you could learn to stroke a woman's clitoris for 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, my, 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 my. Well, I mean, I, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Here's another follow-up story, and this one is to last week's story about Pornhub. And basically what we found in Pornhub is after people got done watching the election returns on Tuesday, they all went and, you know, pleasured themselves. I hope they didn't pay $60,000 to learn how to do that, but they um, they were pleasuring themselves after they got done, done watching the election returns. So this, this delves a little deeper into it. Pornhub releases top porn searches per state during election week. Pornhub released a colorful graphic depicting the top relative searches each state made during election week, and the results are engrossing. The top relative search is the term that was more often searched in each state when compared to all other states, the porn website wrote in an explanation of the graphic. It's a snapshot of what was truly in the hearts and on the minds of everyday Americans while they waited to find out who their next president will be. And they're still waiting, apparently. Some of the terms were garden variety naughty, such as Alabama's big big booty searches, Minnesota's quest for POV clips, and Oklahoma's lust for cheerleader porn. Others were decidedly more basic. As President Trump and President-elect Joe Biden duked it out of the polls, Iowa was searching for yoga pants porn. I don't even want to know what that is. North Dakota was looking for pumpkin smut. Even worse. Jesus, what the hell are they doing up there? And Connecticut wanted to see wedgie nudes. Well, it's Connecticut, so, you know, those folks down there. A few of the popular search terms were spot on for a particular state. Oh, I'm afraid to say this one, White Boy Malcolm X, because I'm not going to make the Summit Mistress happy. Louisiana hunted for Popeye's porn. (laughs) Summit Mistress texts me, what is Popeye's porn? Because I don't know, and I'm not Googling that. I don't want that in my search record. Texans were looking for sex max. little spicy in there. Arizona wanted Navajo clips, and while well, Utah took a more religious route in searching for Mormon movies. <sighs> good Lord, good Lord. New Yorkers were just a bit freakier in their porn proclivities, searching for foot job. <laughs> more than any other state in New Jersey was just as wild with their femdom hunts. And I don't know what that is either, and I'm, no, I'm not even going to continue on. No, I did not look up what Massachusetts was. I, I don't want to know. I'm terrified. Terrified to know. This is from The Sun. We always get the good stories out of England. Size matters. How penis size determines your salary. And guys, it's good news for your bank size if your willy is micro. It's the age-old question, does size really matter? Well, it turns out the answer may be yes. 
It has been found that being well hung doesn't necessarily mean well off, as some of the highest earners have the smallest penises, <laughs> according to a new survey. The cheeky study analyzed how penis size determines salary, and it was good news for bank balances if men had a micropenis. And if you don't know what a micropenis is, folks, I am not going to bother explaining that one to you. It's really... Okay, now I guess I will. It's a really tiny penis. The OnBuy.com survey commissioned 997 men to answer questions about work, salary, and penis size to see if there is a correlation between size and salary. They found that those with a penis of 3 inches in length earned an average of 58,000 pounds per year. However, the other end of the scale, those with a penis that measured 7 and 8 inches, earned an average of 38,000 pounds and 27,000 pounds per year. When it came to promotions at work, those with an average penis size of 4 inches had the highest number of promotions in the last 5 years, 2.9 on average. Manual labor workers had the highest proportion of 6 and 7 inch penises, 59% and 16% respectively. And those in the arts were also well hung. They had the highest proportion of 8-inch penises, 5%, and the second highest proportion of 6- and 7-inch penises. can't believe I'm reading this. While they may bring home big pay slips, those in the medical industry are most likely to have an average-sized penis. And those in banking and finance also came up short. They had the highest proportion of 3-inch penises, 7%, followed by lawyers, 4%. White boy Malcolm X, who do you... Seriously, who does these surveys and it's like, I have a micro penis? Who would ever, no man would ever admit that, <laughs> ever, ever admit that he had a micro penis in a survey. But I guess the whole thing about, you know, the Lamborghini, the, the Ferrari sports car and the small penis, like, I guess that's true now, I guess, because we have to look at that and say, well, maybe there's more truth to that than not. This is a Florida story, of course. And here's the headline. Police. Mother may toddler vape with THC. Florida woman 22 is arrested on a felony child neglect charge. A Florida mother forced her two-year-old son to smoke from a vaping device containing THC oil so that the child would sleep and eat better, according to an arrest affidavit. She was getting that kid high, white boy Malcolm X. Damn. Investigators collared Kiera Clarice 22 on felony child neglect charge after her former girlfriend alerted the victim's father about the vaping. The witness also reported that Clarice had canceled the boy's medical appointments out of a concern a doctor would discover THC in the child's system. Upon being told that his son had been vaping by the tattletaling ex-girlfriend, the boy's father contacted Florida's child welfare agency, who has got to be the most put-upon agency in the world with Florida adults running around, breeding, and then you know causing mayhem to their kids' lives and then brought the boy to the hospital where a drug test detected THC in the victim's system. At that point, hospital officials contacted the Brevard County Sheriff's Office. Court records list Clarice's employer as, listen to this white boy back of Cheaters, a Cocoa Beach strip club. So the stripper mother was giving her two-year-old son THC, getting that kid high. And here's the best part about any story about a Floridian, their arrest record history. According to court records, Clarice was convicted last year of drunk driving and placed on probation, the terms of which she twice violated. She is also facing trial on a felony narcotics charge stemming from a June 2017 arrest. Clarice and the father of her son were busted after cops found two pounds of marijuana in their vehicle, charged with possession of a controlled substance with intent to sell or distribute. Clarice has been free on a $2,000 bond. That poor kid, God. 
Wasn't that what was that story where the kid was like I don't know like eight or nine years old and the father was trying to sell him for money for a crack or something like that in a, in a, a Florida gas station and I was I felt the I made a comment at the time I was like the kid should be thankful to be because the like the dad and the mom they're both a bunch of drug addicts and the kid the best thing that could happen to him was that someone bought him from the, from the parents but this one the two Jesus Christmas the the, the parents are a mess. And let's stay in Florida because, you know, when there's one train wreck down there, there's a, there's more than one. Florida couple arrested for having sex inside car on busy road, authorities say. A Florida couple gave droves of drivers on a busy road near Tampa quite the peep show over the weekend. Amber Gormley, 39, and Sean McClellan, 30, were arrested. Oh, she's a cougar. She got herself a younger man were arrested Saturday after pulling over to the side of the road in the area of Whitney Road and U.S. Highway 19 North in Largo to engage in sexual activity, authorities say. They just could not wait till they got home, folks. According to an affidavit, it happened in an open area location of a busy area where all drivers could see them having intercourse. At one point, a driver even witnessed McClellan on top of the female performing oral sex on her, according to an affidavit, McClellan later confessed to engaging in the act with Gormley. Both have been charged with lewd or lascivious exhibition, a felony. In Florida, that is a felony? Hmm, I figured that would just be a ticketing offense. And this, folks, is our last story, and we are, we are out of Florida now. We have finally left Florida. We're not going to Louisiana, and we're not going to Oklahoma. We are actually going to Connecticut for this one. Accused tree humper busted on High Street. A half-dressed Connecticut man who was spotted humping trees in a stranger's backyard is behind bars on multiple charges records show. According to Nagatuck Police Department report, officers were dispatched Thursday afternoon to a residence on High Street after a 911 caller reported there was an unknown male in a backyard, half-dressed, humping trees, (laughs) screaming, and eating branches. Man, he had it all going on there. I wonder what... What half was not dressed? What? Well, yes. If he's yes, if he's if he's um, if he's humping trees, he's probably dressed. He's just like the people at the sex cult, right? They're dressed from the top up. <laughs> but this guy was going at the trees and eating the branches, so he's really having a good time there. Yummy. When cops arrived, the suspect ran into a neighboring house, causing its inhabitants to flee their home in fear. Well, the guy has a he rapes trees and screams, and he probably had, like, tree branches hanging out of his mouth with foam. The intruder, identified as John Figner, 36, subsequently exited the residence and was placed under arrest. While in custody, Figner allegedly spat at and assaulted police, resulting in a felony charge being filed against him, along with a misdemeanor breach of peace, resisting, and trespassing counsel. Well, that is, to me, white by Malcolm X, it's adding insult to injury, because I think assaulting the police is fine because we all know that they are the enforcers of systemic racism and all they do is drive around and shoot black people so that was fine but you know he did that and what do they do they charge him with a felony for doing it so i mean they really kind of you know that is that is why they call it systemic racism fignar has two other pending criminal cases (laughs) of course because raping trees isn't enough He was arrested in August for assault and breach of peace, but we don't know if that was another tree or not, and was busted in September for marijuana possession, breach of peace, and resisting. Well, on that note, since I cannot top raping trees in Connecticut, we are going to go ahead and sign off here. I am 
America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual, Miller Frost, here as always with white boy Malcolm X. Remember, and I always forget to do this at the beginning of the show, but if you want to send me an email, good, bad, or indifferent, feel free. Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com is the address. So, folks, have a great end of your weekend and start to your week, and we look forward to having you back here next Sunday. Take care. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.